start the recording. We are doing, this is our second of eight classes. The first Sunday in November, I, I actually will be here, but I'm off that week, and I'm just going to take a break from this and everything else. We have, between this and the Sunday of Thanksgiving, there are eight classes total. This is number two, and we're going to keep doing that. Um, so we are looking at the Shorter Catechism. We are not going to make a lot of progress, okay? So we're going to get as far as we do, and then in the spring, we'll take it up again. Um, and if there's a desire for me to do another class of the of the vows, maybe I could do that in the spring and do catechism in the fall. I don't know. But my promise is to do two community classes a year, spring and fall, as long as there are kids in the church who haven't professed faith. So I'm, I'm just committed to doing that all the way. I will I will give you the vows uh, next week since I don't have enough this time. Uh, but can anyone remind me? This is the big overarching question in a communicants class. Uh, for the children, or quite frankly, for a new members class, for an adult. What was the big question we were asking in the, in the spring and then again here, setting aside the shorter catechism? What's the big, big question? I'm going to start every class with this. Duncan? Well, that's a good answer. How do you profess faith? But um, there's, a, there's actually, it's more specific. Go ahead, Grace. That's it. What is a Christian? What is a Christian? So... And a Christian is someone who should be able to profess faith. And that's what I'm trying to help you to do. If you are a Christian or if you hope to become one, uh, in order to be a full member of the church, you do have to be able to profess it or just say it. That's all profess means. So I am trying to help the children to have enough understanding either of the faith, the Christian faith, or of their own faith that they can actually profess it. And the shorter catechism, which I'm giving you, uh, to use Lily's language, like my preaching, is, is the language is fancy. Uh, and I, I acknowledge that, but, uh, but it was a tool. It is, it remains today a tool for children. So even though the language is a little fancy, uh, it is something that children are supposed to use as a tool to learn the Christian faith and to say, oh, this is what a Christian believes. But I believe this, and I want to tell other people I believe this. So that's how it's supposed to work. So it's a tool. It's a tool. And the tool that I'm using to help me teach it is a book by Thomas Watson called A Body of Divinity. And I'm going to be reading some quotes from it. And, and the first question, we looked at this at the close last time, is can anyone who isn't looking at it right now tell me what is the first question? Duncan. That's right. What is the chief end of man? And then, like I said, as a child, you think, well, that's really fancy. What does that even mean? Well, the big idea there is chief end. But what does that mean? Can anyone tell me? We talked about this last time, and William was cracking jokes at the end. So you, I'm going to let you answer the question. What is the chief end? What does that mean? <laughs> All right, do you want me to just answer it for you? Is anyone really eager to give the answer? All right, James, show up your brother. Well, that's too easy. That's the answer of the question. So I'm just asking you, in general, what does chief end mean? Uh, it could be applied to anything. I'm going to let Clara go. Purpose. That's a good word. It's the thing you're driving after, the thing you want. If you think of the end as the end of a race, what are you trying to get to all along? Well, I've already, we've already answered it, boys. We're, we're, we're eager to raise our hands when the question's been answered. So let's move on. What the Shorter Catechism begins with is saying... The chief end of man, before it says anything about God, let's just agree that the chief end of man is 
is God himself. We were meant to pursue God in our life. Uh, all right, giggles. Let's, uh, we got a couple of giggles uh, here. All right. Um, so what did I just say? Okay, I was saying that God, if the chief end is the thing we're pursuing, God is the chief end. But what is it about God that we are pursuing? It's not just God in general, but there's something about God that we are pursuing. So the, the shorter catechism tells us, I, 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 I'm, I'm asking the question, but I'm going to answer it this time. Um, the thing that we are wanting most to experience about God is his glory and to enjoy him. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him. Does anyone know the last word? Forever. So it's something we're not just hoping to do at the end of life, but even now. And then into heaven, into all eternity, we always want to be glorifying God and enjoying God. And that is how a Christian is described in the first uh, answer to the question. A Christian is someone whose chief end is to glorify and enjoy God forever. William, come, come have a seat right here. All right. This is not comedy hour. All right. I'm glad we have so many kids. Uh, but we, of course, in a big group, we've got a class clown. So uh, we... <laughs> Uh, I'm, let's keep going. So if I were to ask you the question, if you were to say, I am a Christian and I asked you, well, what is your chief end? Well, you already have the answer and that's fine. If you gave the shorter catechism answer, nobody would ever fault you for that. If you said, well, my chief end, mine, not man's, but mine is to glorify and enjoy God forever. Then we would say, Hey, you sound like a Christian, but let's be sure that you even understand what that means. So we have two obvious concepts here. What are they? Two things about God. What? Go ahead, Claire. Glorifying and joy. Those are the two ideas. The two things we're meant to do with God as we're pursuing him. We're meant to glorify him. We're meant to enjoy him. Pursuing him as our chief end. So it's not just saying, what is your chief end? The answer is God. But in what way is he your chief end? In glorifying and enjoying him. Now, I just want to look at the first of these, and I'm beginning to wonder whether I'll even finish because I've already filled up half the time. But that's okay. I mean, if we taught the first question and answer for eight weeks, I'd actually be okay with that. I don't think we will, though. So the first concept is God's glory, and that's all we're going to focus on, the first half of the question, or the first half of the answer. Man's chief end is to glorify God, and next time, and enjoy him forever. But it's also forever applies to both verbs. So man's chief end is to glorify God forever. It's the thing man is meant to pursue most. Something that when you become a Christian, you pursue most. The first thing I would say about that is it's somebody else's chief end. And who would that be? God. God's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Does that? I see a raised eyebrow. Does that sound a little strange? If that's the best thing ever, God's glory and, and the enjoyment of God, there's nothing better, there's no higher end, then wouldn't that be the thing that God wanted most too? Wouldn't that be the thing he's... Per Think of it this way. Is God's chief end to pursue man, man's glory and man's enjoyment? No. You see, it doesn't make any sense when you say that. But God's chief end is to pursue his own glory and his own enjoyment. But what is God's glory? That's a tough one. 
to be honest with you, I'm still not even sure how to say it in a way that is so condensed that even a child can grasp it. What Thomas Watson says, I found this helpful. He says it's the sparkling of deity. Like when you look at the sun or you look at a star and it's sparkling in the sky. There's more to the star or to the sun, which is a star, than it's sparkling. The sparkling is just something about it that's glorious. It's a shining that you notice about it. And that's what glory is like with God. It's the sparkling of his deity, like the light of the sun. It's what makes the sun a star and not something else. What, what, what it is that draws you to the sun and makes you notice it is its bright light. Well, that's what the glory of God is like. What makes him God and not man. And everything about him that makes him God and not man. God is glorious. But the, but the real question here is, how is God glorified? If man's chief end is to glorify God forever, how do we do that? Well, this is where Thomas Watson is especially helpful. Now, here's a question, though. This is the first question you have to ask about God's glory. Do we glorify God by adding to his glory? No. We glorify God by acknowledging his glory. By saying, you are glorious. While the world... Okay, thank you. If there's ever a word I say that isn't clear, just raise your hand. Acknowledge means that you say, God, you're glorious. So, I just acknowledged you. It's, it's just by noticing, taking notice of. The whole world acts as though there is no God and he's not glorious. But we as Christian people not only notice that he is, but that he's glorious. And so we, we adore it, we recognize it, but especially we pursue it. It's the thing about God that we want to enjoy most is his glory. And so uh, and it's the thing that we want to acknowledge the most, although I just used that word again, uh, (laughs) William, but hopefully we know what it means now. But how do we do that? How do we pursue God's glory as our chief end? Well, there's a list. I'm just going to offer you this list. We do so by appreciation when we, as Thomas Watson says, set God highest in our thoughts. We do so by adoration. In other words, when we worship him, what are we doing when we sing songs together in a Christian church? We're glorifying God. Yeah, right. We're worshiping. But what does worship achieve? It glorifies God. Um, Another word is affection. Now, he's just kind of listing off the A's. I'll give you a simpler word. Love. God counts himself glorified when he is loved. And so a Christian is someone who loves God. He loves God supremely as the supreme thing. In other words, we used the the Christmas illustration last time uh, as the thing you were most excited about. Well, I I understand for one day, Christmas Eve, you're most excited about Christmas, and I'll, I'll grant you that. But as a Christian, if you are a Christian, what's the thing in life you're most excited about? And the thing that you love most, more than anything else, whatever you love most is your God. Well, God, when he is loved, is glorified. And if you can say, I love him most, more than anything else in the whole world, then you are someone who glorifies God. He is also glorified when we 
Oh, sorry. There was one more thing I wanted to say. He's like the treasure we want most. The thing that we, we want more than anything else in the whole world. But he's also glorified, Thomas Watson says, when we obey him. When we do his will. The Christian is someone who does the will of God. And in doing the will of God, he's always glorifying his Father who is in heaven. Uh, I can add to this list. Are, are we are we okay so far, children? We got a bad case of the giggles today. This has not been a good class. Normally, I've, I've never had to say this before. I don't know what's gotten into you kids. Um, but I'm, I'm, you're fighting back a smile, the whole class, most of you. Um, so uh, let are, are, are we? Let me just stop here and ask: Are we? Do you understand what I'm saying about how we pursue God's glory? All right. Let me keep. Let me continue the list. Uh, we have two minutes. We are, we are to glorify God in all things, not just in some things. That means not just on Sunday, but always. I tell my children on the soccer field, you play to the glory of God. We glorify God when we believe him and trust his word. We glorify God, Jesus says, when we bear much fruit. What does it mean to bear fruit, children? Well, that's what I just said. But what does it? That's true. But what does it mean? Bearing fruit means to perform good works and good deeds. Uh, We glorify God with contentment. That means you're happy with your lot in life, especially under hardship. When something doesn't go your way, are you cursing God or are you still praising him? You see, you're supposed to glorify God even in hardship. We glorify God by suffering for his name. And God is also glorified by preaching. Uh, Thomas Watson had a great quote about that. I won't read it. But these are just the ways that we glorify God. But I also want to, to stress here, and I will, I will actually finish the lesson with this, that we're supposed to be doing these things forever, now and always and forever, today, tomorrow, and the rest of our lives. The whole of the Christian life is one of, again, pursuing the glory of God. In all that we do and in all of the ways that I listed, by obeying him, by praising him, even when things are hard, uh, by doing his will, by being happy in Jesus, uh, by worshiping him, by loving him most. These are the things you have to ask yourself. You see, before you go any further into the catechism, before you ever try to raise your hand and say, I am a Christian, you have to ask yourself, do I love him most and do I love to do his will? Again, these are Chris, these are questions that will stay with you the rest of your life. Sorry, I'm, I'm not looking over here very much. I've got most of the kids over here, but I'm speaking to you too as well. But forever, forever. It's the, the task of a Christian. Uh, timer went off, but let me say this last thing. It's the task of a Christian always to glorify God. To be able to say honestly, God's glory is what I aim at. It's my chief end. And it's the thing that... He always aims at and what he will always be doing. The life of heaven, you see, not just the life of earth, but the life of heaven is one of always enjoying the glory of God and pursuing the glory of God. So I'm going to stop there. I'll briefly recap this next time because this is this is how it all begins. And I want to make sure we understand this This is the first step we take in the catechism. And uh, before we take the second and third and the fourth and so on. Uh, But the glory of God, ask your parents about that today. Go over that with your children today, parents. Let's see. Let's see. if. Remember, the big question is, how do you do it? How do you glorify him?
So we'll stop with that. We'll pray and we can have a little more discussion about it next time. But let's try to be a little more serious next time, kids. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you for uh, your glory. And we wish to glorify you in this world and to love you as supremely as the supreme thing. And help me, Lord, as I speak to these children to speak at their level and to get through to them and help them to open their little ears and and to listen with their hearts and their minds. And we pray, oh God, that some good might be done uh, by these classes under your kind hand. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.